you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube. So you can open your Bibles with me if you would, please uh, go uh, go ahead and go back over to uh, John chapter 5. We're just going to touch one more verse there and then move into John chapter 6. We've been in this study, I think this is about the sixth week, and we've been in John 5 the whole time, which was a little bit of a surprise to me, but uh, not totally. And um, so we're just, you know, picking up some pieces of the Gospels and and going through, but so these we we dug as you know if you've been here we dug a lot of things out of John chapter five. But the last couple of weeks that we were together um, on this subject, we were kind of going through things that Jesus began to talk to the people there about. Oh, thank you, man. I'm a mess today. Oh, now what? Oh, sure. At least I had a picture before. Oh, good. That's not the right one, though. Um, no, thank you. Jesus started to talk, talking to the people there uh, about why they were unable to receive his word. And we went through it. There were a number of things that he went through. But, you know, the, the obvious um, message was that Jesus, we're not created just to have like a head knowledge of God or a, or, you know, Christianity is not about living by a set of do's and don'ts or, or even just a set of principles. The principles are really important and they're full of life and we want to uh, apply those principles to our lives. But we are people who live and can live in a real intimate relationship with the Father and know him better and better. And, and a huge part of that is being receptive to the Lord and to his word. So he talked about various heart issues. And, and I just want to remind us of, of two, and then we'll look at one more this morning, that um, he told them that they couldn't accept his words because they didn't receive him. They didn't receive the person. They didn't receive the messenger. And, you know, there are various reasons for that. They had a different expectation of what the Messiah was going to be like than who Jesus was. Uh, some of them, it was, I knew this kid growing up, you know, it was that type of deal. But for whatever reason, with the religious leaders, it was because he does not fit in our system or our expectations. And we're sticking to our system, not this guy. So, but the point is that if we're going to have the word of God living and active and producing, taking root in our lives, changing who we are from the inside out, and producing fruit in us, we have to receive Jesus, and we have to receive the Jesus of the Bible. And by that, I, I don't mean just accepting his, him as Savior. Obviously, that's the starting point. But I mean, as he presents himself to us over and over, as we get to know his nature better and better, we have to always welcome him because he is the word of God. And and this word is Jesus in written form. It it is we we can't 
pick and choose. We can't do cafeteria style with the word of God. We have, and especially the things that he is impressing on each of us individually in our time with him. And and as you're hearing his word, those are the things that are there. He is impressing them on us to bring life and our hearts have to remain open. And there's just a whole lot right now in Western culture. There are a whole lot of people that are creating a different Jesus. They are creating a Jesus that is not the Jesus of the Bible. It's one they're comfortable with and allows them to do whatever in the heck they want to do in their lives. That's not the Jesus that we have. He's loving. He's gracious. He's merciful. He wants the absolute best for your life. He's not harsh and hard and condemning and just, you know, like I thought growing up, just waiting for a good opportunity to whack you with something. That is not the God of the Bible. But at the same time, he is God. He is Lord. And, and the, the Jesus of the Bible is the, is the Jesus that we have to receive. And I'll just tag this on there. Any leader, I have, you know, I have leaders in my life that, that God has, there are people that he has connected me with. Others that are great leaders that he just hasn't personally connected me with. Personally, I, I don't, and how do I know that? I know that because when I listen to their teaching, I, I, it's just, it's alive. It's something God's already been talking to me about. There's an anointing on it for me, okay? And other people I listen to, it's like, oh, they're real good. They might be real popular, but it's just not one. I have maybe half a dozen that the Lord has really connected me with that I feed on all the time. But any leader, any human leader, if you're going to view them only as a human being, if you're not going to look through the humanity and pull on the anointing that God has put in their life, you're not going to be able to receive the word from them. If you don't receive the messenger, you won't be able to receive the word, okay? And that's just the way it is. So so it's just really important for us that if we are sensing that God is connecting us with somebody, we're feeding on their their ministry, we're always going to have to look past this shell because all of the other ones except for me have imperfections, you know? So... It's, you know, so you guys are really blessed to be here. No, but, you know, we just, we got to look past that because there are going to be things and times that, you know, um, we just have to be able to see them after the Spirit and receive what God's doing for them. So, so Jesus also said that a lot of them uh, just thought that being an expert in the Scriptures was the way to have eternal life. And he said, but the thing is, those scriptures that you're trying to be an expert in point to me, but you won't receive me. So they were turning the scripture into a law. They were turning the scripture into a set of do's and don'ts. And, and so it's, we just always have to remember, you know, again, the, you know, knowing the scripture is really important, but we're always coming to the word because it points to him. It reveals him. It's full of his life. We are coming to the word to draw his life, what he's, what he's saying, what he's imparting, what he's wanting to impress upon us. That's why we're coming to the word. That, we, that when we come to the scripture, it's always so that it will reveal the person. Okay, We want to interact with the scripture uh, in that way. All right. He also said down in John chapter 8, and I'll just mention this one. I love this verse. He said that we have to give, he said the word has no entrance into you or it's not making any progress. The word is supposed to, we have to always give the word, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. We have to give the word entrance into our life and then not just keep it in the entryway of our life. 
but just keep opening our heart. You know, and I think that's something we all have to be aware of all the time is there are things that happen, there are interactions we have, there are people we deal with. And if we allow unforgiveness or bitterness or fear or any of those types of things to have a room in our heart, they'll tend to try and take over the rest of your heart. And it can make it very difficult for us to give the word entrance. And so it's just something in our in our own prayer times, in times of worship, to come before the Lord and say, Lord, examine my heart. I want my heart to be fully open to you. I feel like it is, but you might know different. So if there's if I've still got a door shut somewhere, or if I have shut a door this week, or this month, or the last five years, I want to open that door. Help me open the door. Does that make sense to you? So so we, we have to approach the word with a teachable spirit, with a teachable heart, all right? Let's look at one more verse in John 5 before we go into John 6. Uh, verse 44, all right? And, the, and I have it up there from the Passion Translation. It says, Of course you're unable to believe in me, for you live to enjoy the praises of others and not the praise that comes from the one true God. You live to enjoy the praises of people and not the praise that comes from the one true God. Until we as individuals, and there are various reasons that this happens, until we can desire to please God, care more about pleasing God than we do about pleasing people, we are simply going to have a very shallow relationship with God. All right. Our, I believe that, and I don't know if, if this makes sense to everybody, but, you know, sometimes we have this idea of following the commands of God. There's nothing wrong with following the commands of God. But I believe that if we live to please God, if that's our hard attitude, Lord, what pleases you? What would be pleasing to you today? If we live with that heart, we won't have to worry too much about keeping commands because we'll do it automatically. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And, and I believe we can take that both ways, that if, if we love him, then we'll do what pleases him. And also, if we love him and we're in that kind of relationship with him, we will produce the fruit of keeping his commands, walking in, in his word. But until we care more about pleasing God than being accepted by people, and especially people that don't know God yet. You know, Jesus said, if they love me, they'll love you. If they accepted my teaching, they'll, they'll accept yours. If they, if they didn't, they won't. Not everyone is going to love us or, or approve of us or, or want to accept our lifestyle, our beliefs, you know, all of that. We have got to be focused on pleasing the Lord. Paul prays that over and over that I, you know, I pray that you would live a life pleasing to the Lord. And I think if we think about it in those terms and we're not doing that out of fear, okay? As human beings, we can even, we can be in a relationship where we call this codependence, where I'm, I'm there every day trying to meet your needs, Okay. Uh, but the reason I'm meeting your needs is because I need your approval. I'm actually trying to meet a need in me. 
Okay, I'm not doing it just out of love. I'm not just pouring out my life to you. And, but I'm actually needing something from you. And those, those relationships can become really broken. Okay, so, so with God, it's the same way. We are, why do we want to please him? Because we love him. Look how, I mean, he's been so incredibly good to us. He has, he has demonstrated his love for us while we didn't even have a thought of giving ourselves to him. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we weren't even born and then became sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, so, so we love him. And when we love somebody... We want to please them, not in a, not in a sick way. We want, we want their life to be good. That's part of love. It's part of the description. I mean, really agape love, the God kind of love. You can describe it as living or giving your life for someone else's good. You know, that's what it is. So, so love acts that way. Love serves, love blesses. And it's the same thing with God. You know, we, we want to please him. And as long as instead we're too, we're more caught up in, what do my friends think? What do my coworkers think? What, we're not going to, and I'm not saying, you know, God's not going to leave you, or, you know, I'm, I, but we're not going to really fulfill everything he has for us. As long as we are, that really, I mean, the Bible calls that the fear of man. We're more concerned about what other people think than what God thinks. We have to break through that. And I think we break through that by spending time with him, by making some decisions in our hearts. When we find that coming up, and that can happen in your life for various reasons of your childhood and different things, that's fine. God understands that you may need help to break that in your life. You may need some good counseling. You may need whatever it takes to break that in your life. But you can break through to where, you know what? I'm not being in your face toward people. It's not, I don't care what you think. It's none of that attitude. It is just, God, there's nothing else more important in my life than fulfilling your desire. And I know that's the best life for me too, but I just, man, I just want to bless you any way I can. Does this make sense to you? And that's what Jesus is talking about. He said, I love the way this is written in the passion. Of course you're unable to believe in me. You live to enjoy the praises of others, not the praise that comes from the one true God. And you know, I mean, it's just a fact that popularity of something, it's not a good indicator of truth. It's not a good indicator even of the work of God. Okay, uh, you know, Jesus talked about the way to life being really narrow and very few finding it. So just a big crowd around something doesn't necessarily mean that God's moving there, that, that it's, you know, whatever. Or, that, or popularity where truth is concerned. The truth, the person, the truth has never been well received by the world. Okay, but also popularity, a big crowd, doesn't mean God's not moving there either. I see people that get all caught up in, wow, those big churches, those big churches do some really good things. Sometimes they get off track, just like little churches do. We've known some really sick little churches, okay? Uh, But I'm just saying, just because there's a big crowd doesn't mean we should reject it or accept it or say, wow, God must really be there or God must not. It's not about that. You can sense 
on the inside by the Holy Spirit where God is moving and what he's doing. And so all of that, you know, we, we just need to understand that our, our purpose, our heart needs to be, Lord, I am here. This is, this, is, <laughs> this is my life. This is actually your life. You've given me this breath today. I want to use it in a way that pleases you every day that I'm here, no matter what's going on. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Let's go on down to John chapter 6. There's another chapter in the Bible here uh, that goes on. And we're just going to, I don't know how far we'll get in this. Let's just start looking at a few things here in John 6. Now, most of you know that, that this chapter starts out with this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, five, it was probably more like twelve to 15,000 people, 5,000 men, with a few little loaves of bread. These weren't even big giant loaves of bread, okay? They were, it was, this was a kid's lunch, all right? This was a kid's lunch and, and the fish. These, this was, wasn't like he came with a barrel of tuna, okay? This, this was, they, you know, scholars say they were little like sardine style fish. So a great miracle, okay? And, and, and that's the context of what goes on in this chapter. And let's just read a few verses here, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read from the NIV. I don't think that's what's on your screen. Uh, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. All right, so they were seeing miraculous healings. And so they were following Jesus. That is why the crowd gathered in the first place. And they followed him. So then Jesus went up on a mountainside. He sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. The reason that's important is because a part of that feast is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And it, and it harkens back to the manna. It reminds to the Jewish people, this miracle of multiplying the bread reminded them of uh, God feeding them through Moses in the wilderness. And they had a prophecy forever that there would be another prophet like Moses that would arise. So there was, there was a lot of meaning in this particular miracle for these people. But I want to jump around here. I've got that on your screen. Verse 2 says, A great crowd was following him because they'd seen the signs and miracles which he continually performed on those who were sick. And verse 14 says, when the people saw the sign, the miracle that Jesus had performed, they began saying, surely and beyond a doubt, this is the prophet who is to come into the world. So two things, the group started following him because they were seeing loads of people miraculously healed. Then Jesus feeds them in a miraculous way and this bread is multiplied. And next they say, this, is, this has got to be the prophet that we're supposed to follow because this looks just like what Moses did in the wilderness. So, so that miracle spoke to prophecy. It spoke to God's nature. It was provision in a place where there was no provision. All right. So I want to talk just a little bit this morning about miracles. All right. And we all, we love miracles. We have seen some great miracles. We love miracles. Miracles, there are a lot of things. We use that term in English and it's, it's cool. It's fine that we do it. 
But we use that term in English about a lot of things. We say the birth of a baby is a miracle. Well, technically, in a biblical sense, it's not a miracle. It's, it's a wonderful thing, and that's why we say that. But a miracle is an act of God that supersedes the laws of nature. A baby forming and developing and being born, as wonderful as that is, is within the laws of nature. It happens all over in nature. Uh, the parting of the Red Sea is a miracle. The parting of the Jordan River is a miracle. The raising of the dead is a miracle. Feeding 5,000 people from a kid's lunch, 15,000 people from a kid's lunch. Does one of you guys have a helicopter coming to pick you up? I can hurry. Uh, I knew it would be you. Um, Feeding these people, that was a miracle. Okay, so it's an act of God, but it supersedes, it supersedes natural law. Um, you know, just one that I always think of when I'm thinking about miracles here was when Wendy was doing her floor and cut the end of her finger off. And the doctor removed the rest of that finger because there was nothing, it was just hanging by a piece of skin. He removed the whole end of her finger we prayed, lots of you prayed, she prayed, she believed God, the whole thing grew back, including the nail. You can't tell that it was ever cut off. The doctor said, that's not possible, I cut that off. That's a miracle, okay? We know people that have had metal in parts of their body to fix them and, and, had, and that metal was removed at some point. Why God does that sometimes, doesn't other times? You know, it wasn't removed by a doctor. It was removed through prayer. They were still having an issue in that place. And they went back for x-rays after they were prayed for and all the pain went away and the, the metal wasn't there anymore. Stuff that blows doctors away, those are good miracles. I love it when the doctors are confused. I love doctors. My dad was a doctor. But I, I love to see them scratching their heads. It's just, it's just good for them. So, so, you know, joints being restored where there was no joints. You know, all those kinds of things. It supersedes the laws of nature. It's something that just can't happen. But the important things about miracles, one of the important things, is that miracles always reveal the nature of God. In fact, this word uh, is translated in most translations, these verses we're looking at, it says they had seen the signs and then the Amplified puts miracles. Sometimes that word's translated miracles. But let me tell you what it, what it means in the, in the Greek. What they were seeing were, it, it says, continually, uh, signs, miracles, continually performed upon those who are sick. So they were seeing continuous healing, continuous supernatural healing. That speaks of God the healer, Jehovah Rapha. It is his nature to heal. I just had this discussion with a person I love dearly uh, recently. And he was, he's still in that place where he feels like when we, when we have disease and we come and we ask, he says, you know, we can ask, but it may not be God's will to heal. We can ask, but it may or may not be this or that, you know. No, God identified himself as the Lord God who heals. We live in an environment, in a fallen earth that creates all, none of this stuff, no sickness was in the garden, no sickness is in heaven. I always look at that on a lot of things. Is, is, was it in the garden? Nope. Did it happen after the fall? Yep. Is it in heaven? Nope. Okay. That tells me, 
It's, it's environmental. It's sin release. It's not necessarily from personal sin. It is the sin condition. It is the fallen condition. There's sickness in the earth, and there always will. And we don't win every battle. We get that. We all have to deal with that. We, we, we come, but when, somebody, when I pray for somebody and they stay sick or they die or whatever, I do not ever think that had to do with God's will. I believe it was God. Well, how are they ever going to die? You can die without being sick. Okay, you can just go to sleep and go be with the Lord. People do it all the time. All right. So even if it's somebody older, you know, sometimes they'll say, well, you know, they're 93. Well, okay, maybe it's time. Maybe they're ready, but they could be healed first and then just go to be with the Lord. Okay, that's that's where I stand on it. So that's what these miracles did. But the word signs there, are you still with me? Uh, did you say no? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the word signs there, here's what it means from the Greek language. It is a miracle that has a spiritual purpose beyond the miracle itself. All right, so somebody, for it, just as an example, somebody gets healed miraculously. Limb grows back, whatever it might be, Okay. There's a purpose in that if a sign means there is a purpose beyond just them having the use of their hand again or whatever. That's a wonderful part, but there's a purpose beyond that, okay? A miracle points to something beyond and greater than itself. I should say someone beyond and greater than itself. So the, so the purpose of the healing is to reveal the healer. The purpose of uh, any type of miracle. The miracles, um, in fact, let me just finish the definition. Um, this is a sign is a miracle that is valuable, not so much for what it is, but for what it communicates of the nature, grace, and power of God. A sign is a miracle that is valuable, not so much for what it is. Okay, getting across the Red Sea was important. Getting across the Jordan River was important. It was a part of God's plan. But those events spoke of the power of God and his care for the people. Somebody being healed speaks of the love of God, the care he has for his children. And it's essential that as we believe God for miracles and we pray over people and we want to see miracles in the earth, that's all good. I think that's what we're supposed to do as the church in this age. It's the way the book of Acts looks to me. We are supposed to be living in that, but it's never just about the miracle. It is even more about what that miracle communicates. So when I experience... And again, not all healings fall into this, you know, I'm giving you kind of a technical idea of miracles. Not all healings are miracles. Some are just healings. They're progressive. They take place. You got better way quicker than you were supposed to, or your body, you know, the doctors are saying, you'll just have to live with this for the rest of your life, but then you don't, you know, it could be anywhere in that. That always, when I come back to that and I think back on those things and I write down a testimony about that and on a bad day I come back and I remember that, it says to me, God is here, God is powerful, God is active, God is good for his word, God is love, God is mercy, God is the healer, whatever, all of those things about his nature, his power and his grace. I love those three, his grace. Because we don't deserve 
to be healed. We don't deserve any of his blessing. It's all because of what Jesus did for us. And so it reminds me, man, he took my sicknesses and my diseases to the cross upon him. He took my sins. He became sin for me so that I could be made the righteousness of God. He carried my sickness and my diseases so that in him I could be made whole. He carried my poverty so that I could live in abundance. He did, you know, it's, and, and so what I'm trying to say to you is as we pursue these things, the Bible never tells us to pursue signs. It says signs should follow us. We're not supposed to follow signs. We don't venerate the place that a miracle happens. What's really, I love this in this chapter. It's down, I don't know, verse 23 or so down below where, where a lot of things take place. And then people come over. And what the verse says is they came back to the place where this miracle happened and they call it the place where the people ate and when Jesus gave thanks. So they were so caught by the fact that he gave thanks before he broke the bread. He gave thanks while it was impossible to feed those people. He gave thanks over that little bit that couldn't possibly do the job. And then it multiplied. That aspect of of that whole event caught people's attention to where that place became known as the place where, yeah, people ate and were satisfied, but it was after Jesus gave thanks. You know, when, when we think back on events, on healing, on miraculous events, God took care of a financial problem, you know, whatever it might be in my life, we've always, we want to think of who he is. Let it point you to who he is. That's what a sign does. The Bible uses the terms about miracles. It says there's signs and wonders, right? There's signs because they point to a reality. They are not the only reality. They are not the main thing. They're not the main point. They point to something greater. And they're a wonder because they pull our attention in. And people say that, you know, healing is the dinner bell of the gospel. Well, it's true. It it pulls our attention in. And it, it can draw people. It is hard, especially if you know somebody. It's not just somebody stand up on TV, but you know somebody. And you know what God did in their life and that it was not natural and they couldn't have made it happen and the doctors couldn't have made it happen or whoever, you know, they couldn't have made it happen. Man, it is hard to deny that without at least saying there might be something here worth me checking out. You know, there, it, for, for the unbeliever, signs and wonders, the wonder part of it, can really pull our attention. And these people, they went out there. We read the verse, okay? They went out there because they were seeing that continual feed or continual healing, right? They were seeing the miracles. That's why they gathered. But because they gathered, because of the wonder, because they were seeing this stuff, they went clear out where there was no food, the whole bunch of them for days, and got really hungry and and but they heard his word it wasn't the miracle that saved them it wasn't the miracle that changed any who were changed it wasn't watching healings it wasn't entertainment by miracle it wasn't that it was the teaching they heard it was the words that they heard from jesus if their hearts were changed it was through the word but they came there 
Is this making sense? Because of the miracle, okay? So we as carriers of the Lord and his church in the earth and a church who believes that the Jesus is still the same yesterday and today and forever and believes that Jesus actually said you'll do the same things the same works I've been doing and even greater works than these we believe those things we believe the book of acts we believe that this is who the new testament church is it's important for us to remember it's not it's not for entertainment value it is when when God is moving and we are participating with him. God is moving. We need to remember to communicate to people. This is what this says about the God who just did that. This is who this God is. Because people don't know who God is. They've been lied to by the world. They've been lied to by religion. They don't know who God is. Does that make sense? I just had a thought shoot through. Oh, I'm getting way ahead of myself. So Jesus, first of all, well, I should probably move forward in here. This is just cool. I think we still have time to hit this. So in verse 5, it says, Jesus looked up then and seeing that a vast multitude was coming toward him, he said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that all of these may eat? And the next verse says, he just said that to test the disciples because he already knew what he was going to do. So so he puts, presents this to the disciples. But here's an interesting thing. There's no record of any of those people, massive crowd of people out there with Jesus for all these days, obviously really hungry. There's no record that they prayed. There's no record that they asked. Jesus it's just another aspect of his nature. He answered a prayer that hadn't been prayed. All right. He answered a prayer that they hadn't prayed yet. They were caught up in what was going on. At least we have no record of it in any of the gospel records of this event. We don't have any record of anybody saying, Jesus, we're really hungry. Could you feed us? All right. Wouldn't have been anything wrong with that. The Bible tells us to pray and to ask and to keep on asking. That's cool. But God is so gracious that he will answer prayers sometimes that you haven't even prayed. There'll be things that are just a desire of your heart, but you feel like, you know, this isn't really worth bothering God with, or I don't really need this, you know, and you, and you don't necessarily, they needed food, by the way, but, you know, but there there have been things in my life where it was like, oh, this, you know, that would be really cool to be able to do that or to have that or whatever. On my 50th birthday, which was a couple years ago now, uh, uh, Jim Adams' father, you know, Jim and Jen Adams that used to be here, his father came into town, and I didn't even know about it, and he was flying in a two-seat experimental airplane at the time, and he flew it down from Washington, and he was here on my 50th birthday. And it was a beautiful fall day, I mean, just one of those crystal clear, beautiful days, and he took me for a ride. And I mean, I had no idea that he was going to do that. We got to do some rolls, and we got, you know, he let me fly it for a while, it was just wonderful. I didn't need that. You know, I didn't, there was no, there was no, you know, God, I, I need to get in the air again. I, I really need to fly, you know, but what a blessing to me. That was a huge blessing to Karen. She would have been puking her guts out, but you know, for me, it was a huge blessing and there was no, 
God just did it. I mean, if I thought about it, I could go through so many things in my life that I don't need, but they were a desire in my heart. So, So I just wanted to point out, it appears that Jesus answered a prayer that hadn't been prayed because it's the nature of God. All right. Back in Genesis chapter 22, the story of of uh, Abraham taking his son Isaac, the Lord telling him to take him and, and make a sacrifice of his only son, the son of promise, the son who Messiah was supposed to come through, you know, and and he, he told him, I want you to give him to me as a sacrifice, you know, wasn't like dedicate your baby and go home. This was, uh, you're going to kill your son and give him to me. All right. Well, everybody, most of you know the story. I mean, he got there and, and Abraham said at the beginning of that, Isaac said, where's the sacrifice? <laughs> you know, and, uh, and Abraham said, God, I'm sorry, I would have to look at the verses. But anyway, he basically says, God will, will see the need. So the, the first part of it was God will see. All right. And then when they get up there and God does provide this ram, he called that, Abraham called that place Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. So from that whole story, we find that God is the God who sees the need and provides. All right. So it's not even like we always have to remind him. He sees the need, he cares about the need, and he provides. So again, this all speaks to the nature of God. This whole making a theology out of the idea that God's just the God of the last minute I don't believe that. I think we're people of the last minute. I think I think that when that happens to us, I think it's on our end that we either haven't extended any faith, we haven't prayed, we haven't thought about whatever or we or we are but you know we're praying about this but we're in a lot of fear and and whatever. It can feel to us like gee this thing came at the last minute. I'd be really careful about making a theology out of that because God identifies himself as the God who sees ahead and provides. And I believe that's who he is. In this setting, Jesus saw all these people. Jesus. And he said, how are we going to feed them? It's, it's our responsibility. We're going to feed them. And so this whole thing takes place. And I think we're going to run out of time here. But um, I, I just wanted to bring out that. So one of the other disciples brings this boy and says, well, this kid's got his lunch here, and apparently we're going to steal it from the child and, and give it to you, Jesus. Jesus gives thanks, multiplies that bread. And uh, it's not as clear here in John, but in other Gospels, it's obvious that Jesus began to break that bread, give it to his disciples, and his disciples gave it to the people, right? So they got to participate in the miracle, and experienced the miracle, but they also spent their day walking around serving people, right? And so they participated with Jesus in blessing people. They participated in Jesus, with Jesus in, in uh, providing in the, in the miracle. They, they were with him. They were serving. They were active. If you look at it, it says the people all ate and were satisfied. So they ate as much as they wanted and they were satisfied. And I believe there's something greater there than just full bellies. But anyway, they all ate and were satisfied. And then he said, you know, I have the disciples. They picked up 12 or 12 disciples. They each picked up a basket full of remains. So 
the people who were the receivers primarily of the miracle ate and were satisfied. The people who participated with Jesus in serving the people ate and were satisfied and took leftovers home. All right, they got to take the leftovers home. It's, it's true. If you want to just experience greater blessing in your life, get involved with what the Lord's doing. Find a place to serve. Find a place to give. Something that the Lord is doing. Just start because it's like, oh, I don't have time. You'll have more time if you give some of it to the Lord. I don't have the resources. You'll have more resources if you start giving it to the Lord. Those guys got to eat and they took the leftovers home. It's just like out here every week, you know. There's always some left and somebody gets to take those leftovers home. So it's it's really good. So, all right, let's see. Um, let's look at one other passage and then we're going to just quit. Uh, but I want to at least introduce this idea. Go down to John chapter 6, verse 26. And this is interesting. So, that miracle is finished. We know the story. The disciples went in the boat. Jesus went up to pray. A storm came up. He walked out to meet them. All of that happened. And they went uh, over to Capernaum. And the people were still hanging around there the next day, discovered, hey, Jesus is gone. And there's, you know, there's a lot that happens around that. But when, he, when those people finally go to Capernaum looking for Jesus, look at this. He says in verse 26, he says, I assure you, well, let's, let's read these other verses with it. So the people finding that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the lake, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, you have been searching for me not because you saw the miracles and signs, but because you were fed with the loaves and were filled and satisfied. So something had changed. Remember what we just read in verse, in verse 2 and verse, what was the other one, 14? That they, they were following him because they were seeing the continuous healing. That's why they gathered. Then they got fed. Now he points out, which would be kind of impolite to us, but I love Jesus tells you the truth. He points out your heart has changed. You're not here now because you saw the miraculous sign. You're here now because of the natural part of that, because you were fed. So something changed in these people where now they were pursuing Jesus for what he could do for them. Not And, and this is always such a, I think this is one of those issues we have to pray through continually because God wants you blessed. God wants you in every area of your life, relationally, uh, every area of your life, he wants you to have this abundant life. And we love that. And and so we need to feel free to receive what the Lord brings into our life. But we can never let our focus change from seeking to know him, to know him better, to to know more of him, to to love him in a greater way, to feed on his word, to be changed on the inside. We can't let our focus change from him to what he can do for us. We have to keep, you know, the old phrase is we, we seek his face, not his hands, right? That's an, I think that's a really important thing, especially for those who understand that God is going to bring blessing into your life. He does want to increase for you. It's clear through the whole scripture that, 
that God wants you blessed. And that's a wonderful thing. But here are these people who were first following and drawn to him because they were seeing these healings and they were recognizing, wow, this is the prophet that was sent. They were caught up in all of that after they ate and were satisfied. Then they were following him for a meal ticket. Okay, that's, you know, and there's not a lot said about it, but it's just wisdom in life for us to be sure we're seeking God to know him, not just for his blessing. We celebrate his blessing. We're thankful for his blessing. We give testimony of his blessing, but we're pursuing him to know him. Paul said, you know, we just studied it a few weeks ago. He said, you know, it's, it's my main, I'm just paraphrasing, my main bent in life is to know him, to progressively become more and more acquainted with him and the wonders of his person. And I just think, I just bring that to us today because I think all of our hearts can do this. And I think these are areas that we have to recognize and see that, oh, well, I want to stay on the right side of that. So again, I just need to be, he'll help us do that. He's not, he's not sitting there, well, where's your heart today? No, he's there to help us with that. We just have to be really open and honest with him about where our hearts are and let him examine our hearts. It's, we've got to do this. I mean, if we want to stay on track, I want to stay on track you know, for my whole life, whatever we go through, whatever happens, good or bad, we can get off track on either side of that. But we don't have to. We don't need to. Things happen to us that weren't God's plan. We do things that weren't God's plan. You know, we make our own messes. You know, there's all kinds of things. But man, it's just, that is the heart of our life in Christ, is, is seeking to know him. And what's so amazing I'm trying to stop, by the way. What's so, um, I'm dieseling at this point. What's so amazing is that he wants us to know him on that level more than we can possibly want it. It's just, it just blows me away. The God of the universe, the creator God. The universe is just in the palm of his hand. That's just a silly way to say it. But you know what I mean? And he cares for you. And he cares for me and he cares about those little details of our lives. It's just amazing. So anyway, I just share that with you. Something happened in these people's hearts. And Jesus was loving enough to point it out so that they could turn it around. So I think that's a good thing. Did you get anything out of this? Let's stand up and pray this morning. Thank you, Lord. I guess that's what I want to pray at, at this point. Father, is that, Lord, you know every one of our hearts. And I, I believe all of us are here today because we have a, a true desire to pursue you and to know you, Lord. And, and so we appreciate the intimacy that we have with you. And we don't want to in any way lose it, mess it up, you know. And, and so, Lord, we keep our hearts open and we invite you to examine us, Lord, in those places where one way or another, we're just kind of losing the, the center of the stream. I just pray, Holy Spirit, come and help us and give us those, give us those nudges, correct us where we need correcting, encourage us where we need encouraging, help us to stay moving forward, help us to keep moving forward in your will and your purpose for our life. Help us to, to day by day by day to, to receive, to recognize 
the things, the parts of yourself that you revealed to us, Lord. And, and then to carry those, Lord, to carry those truths and that knowledge of you out into this world and to release it to people, Lord. I believe we are, you said it, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world, Lord. We bring preservation and, and we, Father, we, we change the flavor of life for people. And, and Father, we bring light in darkness. We're not afraid of darkness. We're not put off by darkness, but we want to bring light where there is darkness today. So, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for all that you have done and all that you are doing in us. And I pray that these things we looked at this morning, Holy Spirit, whatever was important for each of us, I just ask you to keep speaking it to us over and over and over and over as, as this word goes deep down into us. And we thank you for it today. Father, I, I pray over all this food that's out here. Lord, it doesn't need to be multiplied. There's way too much as it is. And, uh, but Father, truly, we thank you so much for the incredible abundance and provision that you give us. And we, and we pray over the hands of the people that have brought this food, made this food, Lord. And, and we just thank you for this time of fellowship. Lord, the special fellowship that we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Ready to be dismissed. Let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. I hope you'll stay around and help us eat some food and uh, get to know some people. All right. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Go out there and be the church. You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org.